Hi, everyone. Welcome to Conversations That Heal. This is your host, Susan Jacoby. I hope you are enjoying these inspirational interviews, and they help you to discover how to make the decision to overcome childhood trauma, develop self-love, and live a life of peace and joy. Our guest today is Hazel Palashi, a certified clinical hypnotherapist, a coach, an Amazon best-selling author, as well as a certified NLP practitioner and stress management counselor. Hazel is the founder of Your Stairway to Wealth. Her website is stairwaytowealth.com. Welcome, Hazel, to Conversations That Heal. I'm very happy to have you on the show. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for inviting me, Susan. It's a pleasure to be here. In your bio, I read that you were an NLP practitioner. Could you refresh our memories to exactly what that is? NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, is a process to allow people to change the neurons in their brain using certain kinds of words, it neurolinguistically changes the neurons in your brain. To give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit, can you give us a brief summary of how you got into this field and became a hypnotherapist? Uh, absolutely. I was born and brought up in London, UK. didn't move to the States until I was 37. My childhood was extremely abusive, very negative. My mother was a battered wife. My father was a compulsive gambler. And obviously, since my mother was a battered wife, he was also an abuser. So I didn't know what it was to think positively or to say things positively or to believe in myself or any of those things. Came to this country the U.S. when I was 37, married with two children. At 42, I decided that after 25 years, I just could not live in that marriage anymore. It just wasn't working. I decided that I would take my certification in hypnotherapy, which also included learning how to use it on a psychological level. I wanted to help people to change the way they were thinking. By that point, um, I was doing my own work. I could see what it was doing for me to be able to change the way I thought and that I didn't have to believe I was useless, worthless, or anything else that had been drummed into me as a child. You know, your subconscious is a very powerful part of your brain. Unfortunately, it's 90% of your brain power. And you've only really got 10% conscious mind. So when it comes to things like that, your subconscious runs your life. And often people don't realize that that's what's happening. And that's why they can't achieve what they want. When I saw the kind of changes that people could make and the kind of changes I was making, I became very, very passionate about helping people in general, but women in particular, to tap into their own power and brilliance. I want to dive in into the inner child work, and I have found that 
and along my healing journey, to be honest, it's kind of frustrating to think that every action I, I take, every thought that I have that um, isn't supporting my adult life can 99.9% of the time be traced back to the inner child. Why you feel it's so important in living a uh, wealthy adult life? A wealthy life is not just a financially wealthy life because if you don't have good health, that means emotional and physical, and you don't have um, joy and happiness and laughter and all the things in life that make it fun as well as serious, and you need some kind of financial freedom, if you have all of that, then you have a wealthy life. But if you only have money, I grew up never needing a thing. I was married and never had to worry about money, but I wasn't ever happy. It didn't, start, it didn't help me to be happy just because, you know, I had material things. That to me is, over the years it has become so, uh, it's something I don't like to see in people when sometimes the only thing they can see is the material factor of their lives. Well, that is not how I see wealth. Wealth is not about the things I have. It's about the life I have, the lifestyle I lead. It's about, do I get up in the morning and say, wow, today's another day? Well, truthfully, at 75, yes, I do. <laughs> so to me, wealth includes much more than just money. I always think to myself, if I could just get blank worked out, then, then everything will be perfect. Like everything right. will look better if I can just get this part of my life fixed, forgetting that it's all connected or even that that aren't quote-unquote fixed or that you're not even worried about, but they are important and um, play a very valuable role in not your consciousness but just in your well-being. Your childhood is going to affect you good or bad, and if you know who John Bradshaw is, because he was the granddaddy of inner child work, and John Bradshaw used to say that 97% of the population is highly dysfunctional, so there's only 3% of functional families. Remember that dysfunction goes from one end to the other. Mild dysfunction would be, you know, you're so stupid you never get anything right to somebody who just abuses, hits, and sexually abuses a child. So you're talking about all different levels of dysfunction and whatever abuse you go through. And children perceive what children perceive the way they perceive it at the time. You may say something as an adult, and that child may take it in a completely different way, completely differently. However, that's what sits in their subconscious. It's also important to remember that a child's mind isn't developed like an adult's mind. So no matter how much you try to blame, you know, your inner child or your child or, you know, whoever it may be, that's a very important fact to remember. How on earth could you expect the experience to be the same. 
Well, it can't be the same. And the truth of it is that, and you know, I'm not going to tell you that this happened to me in my early adult years because it didn't. I mean, I spent, you know, 20 years going through panic attacks and panic disorder and all sorts of things because I didn't realize that I had so much emotional garbage in my mind. But when you get to a certain point as an adult, it's very important to be able to let go of blame. Because when you keep blaming, your parents do the best they know how, not the best they can, they do the best they know how. Because I know that my parents, both of them, came from very abusive families. Their abuse, my mother staying with my father for 60 years and being abused all those years, was like mind-blowing. But she didn't know it any other way. So she was very passive-aggressive. So that's how she treated everybody, including her children. That carried forward with me. Now, I didn't become passive-aggressive. I went the opposite way. But my sister didn't. She became passive-aggressive in her earlier years. And that means that, for instance, she didn't talk to you for a year if you did something she didn't like. And I'm being a little bit, um, you know, over the top there. Maybe it was two weeks, but you know what I mean. You can't continually blame parents for the life you create as an adult. You have to at some point be willing to take responsibility and live your life for yourself. It doesn't mean that you're going to forget. It just means you're going to forgive and let go. Because you don't forgive for somebody else. You forgive for yourself. Whether the other person knows that you've forgiven them or not is not important. But if you can't say that you forgive them, then you have a big problem. Because you're going to go through life being a victim. And I'm going to be honest, I'm very transparent about my life and, and who I am and how I was and how I am now. I used to play the victim very well in my 20s and even in my early 30s. I was a terrible hypochondriac because it was the only way I could get attention because that's what I had been taught. And although I didn't marry a physically abusive man, I married a man that had no idea how to communicate. What did we end up doing? We ended up shouting and screaming at each other, which was one of the reasons I finally got divorced. You can continually blame your parents if you choose. However, it won't help you. My suggestion to clients, for instance, or anybody that's dealing with inner child work, which I did with people for six years in private practice, um, is to not necessarily go back and moan and groan about all the terrible things that happened, but acknowledge that you didn't have a good childhood. Acknowledge that it wasn't the way you wanted it to be. You would have liked it to have been different. And then you move on and say, you know, okay, so how am I going to change this so my adulthood isn't the same? And there are ways you can do that. I want to address something that you said about forgiveness. Um, that is such a 
a key word in our society and often um, leaves me wondering what does that look like? Say like, not you personally, but, you know, I'll say no, like, you know, these, these are boundaries and this is what it looks like and this is what it feels like. But forgiveness, I personally think that it's more about self-forgiveness than, than anything else. But that definition isn't what I want to address here. Could you just like explain to the listeners, in your view, what does forgiveness look like? What, how does it feel? What is a, how does it show up in a visual, I think the word is a tangible effect? Well, I don't think that there's anything really tangible about forgiveness. Um, I think, yes, you, when you go through inner child work, you have to learn how to forgive yourself, definitely. But you don't forgive yourself for doing anything wrong. You forgive yourself for not being able to change things when you would have liked them to have been changed when you were a child. Maybe you would have liked, I would love my father, for instance, to have hugged me occasionally or sent me a birthday card one year, which I never, ever got my whole childhood. Did he call me stupid? My, both my parents did. Was I allowed to go to college? No, I wasn't because I wasn't clever enough in their eyes and I was a woman. And growing up in the years that I grew up, I became a very angry woman. I didn't realize as I went through the years that the anger didn't really come from anger that was going on at that time. It came from anger from my childhood, from all the things that I didn't get emotionally, from all, not from anything material because I had everything I could have wanted materially or within reason anyway. But when you say tangible, Forgiveness is not necessarily tangible. It's something you do emotionally. The only way it's tangible is if you write. I went to a weekend workshop many years ago when I was still going through the process of letting go of, you know, my childhood and growth. And one of the things that the psychologist, who was one of the people running the group, said was that you need to write a letter to each parent individually telling them how you would have liked your childhood to have been, what it would have looked like if you could have had what you wanted it to be. Now, I wrote that letter and I was so proud of myself and I went back to him and he said, no, 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 no. He said, you're still blaming them. And I said, well, but they are to blame. He said, yes, but this is not about blame. This is about letting go. He said, so I want you to rewrite the letter and just write it from your point of view how you would have liked. You know, I would have liked to have sat on Daddy's lap. I would have liked Mommy to give me a hug occasionally. I would have liked this, 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 and this. And I didn't get that. And I came back the second time, and he sent me back to do it again. By the third time, I understood what he meant. I had to be able to write this in such a way that I could actually, I didn't have to read this to them. Well, as it so happens, I think my father was already dead at that point. But um, 
My mother wasn't, and I didn't have to read it to them, but I did have to read it out loud. And it's a very powerful thing when you write a letter to a parent and you hear yourself reading it out loud the way you would have liked your life to have looked as a child. You know, I would have liked to have had fun and not just do everything because my father said that's what I had to do. I would have liked to have sat on his lap and him to tell me that everything is going to be fine, not to say, oh, you need money. Okay, here's money. That will, and that solves the problem. That was his way of solving problems. But it didn't help me emotionally. And it stopped me from becoming independent for a lot of years. Tangibly, the only thing I can say tangible is write those letters. If your parents are still alive, you can read them to the parent. But if they're old, there's no point because they won't get it. And it'll just frustrate you. You read it out loud or have a friend let you read it to them. Somebody you trust is what it needs to be. Somebody you trust needs to hear you read this letter so that you can hear yourself saying it out loud. And in the letter you write, you know, I forgive you for not being able to do better than you than you did. Years ago, my therapist telling me what is important is to set your intention because right. the odds of your wants, your needs, whatever you want to call them, being met are pretty slim given that you're asking the people who didn't give you what you needed, it, you know, it's not like they're taking a magic pill and have gone through 20 years of therapy to all of a sudden be able to give you what you need. And, and even if they could, they can't read your mind. So what's important is to set your intention as a way to protect yourself, it just set you know your your boundaries to know what you need from you essentially to find peace around whatever it is that isn't working. Well, right, you're reparenting yourself. Yeah, that's what the child work is. It's about reparenting the child within you. It doesn't matter how old you're going to be, you're still going to have that child inside of you. That child has to be reparented. Well, now, as an adult, you're going to reparent that child yourself. So that all the old messages that the child received, man or woman, if you're living your life and it's a life that you're not happy totally with, I love my life, okay? There are more things that I might like, you know, in certain ways. However, I love my life. I love what I do. Um, I'm not passive-aggressive. My parents are both dead, and they did the best they knew how. So when I wrote those letters, that was the first step in me letting go. I'm not saying that was the end step because it did take a few more steps. And then I learned how to visualize seeing the little Hazel, the little girl as I was, standing next to me. If I was afraid to do something, I would visualize her, even if it was from a photograph. You know, if you can't see it in your head, you get a photo of how you looked as a child. And 
you look at that photograph so you can see the child and you visualize taking the child's hand and saying, you know what, everything's now going to be okay because I'm here. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to support you. And I'm going to give you what you need. And so you start the reparenting process. Hazel's website is stairwaytowealth.com. Please contact me at Susan at conversationswithheal.com if I can support you on your healing journey. Leave a comment on Blog Talk or iTunes to help us reach listeners in search of living a life of peace and joy. Above all, remember that you are a lovable and capable human being. Thank you for listening to Conversations That Heal.